0: The ButteCast is brought to you by Thriftway Superstops. You loved Thriftway before, now you will really love it, thanks to the Thriftway Loyalty Club. Get all sorts of deals in the store and earn some free stuff. TLC members will also get 5 cents off each gallon of top-tier conical gasoline. Go to ThriftwaySS.com and become a member of the Thriftway Loyalty Club today. Now, let's get the show started.
1: Welcome to the ButteCast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world you America amen let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth
2: Woo-hoo!
1: now here's my dad Bill Foley
2: USA
0: Everybody knows Wetzel. That is what a dad of a Missoula travel basketball player told me in Dillon a couple of weeks before Christmas. Sean Wetzel and I drove down from Butte to Dillon to referee 11 girls basketball games in a row. In the hallway outside the restroom at the BW Lodge Gymnasium, this dad comes up to me and thanks me for refereeing. Are you working all day? He asks. Yeah, I said, but I'm working with Wetzel, so it doesn't seem like work. I'm having a blast. Then I made the silly mistake of asking him if he knows Wetzel, the unofficial mayor of Montana. Wetzel, the grandson of legendary Blackie Wetzel, really stands out, and not just because, as he says, he is 5 feet 20 inches tall. Wetzel had the players on each team laughing all day that day. He had the coaches laughing. He had the crowd laughing. He had me laughing. He moved to town about a year and a half ago, and it was the best acquisition since the Packers signed Reggie White as a free agent in 1993. Wetzel, though, is not just a great addition because of his comedy. He is a great example of how people should treat other people. As he says, he treats everyone like he has known them for years. Everyone should try doing that. In this podcast, Wetzel talks about his famous grandfather and the national media hitting up everybody with the last name Wetzel to comment about the NFL football team in Washington, D.C., dropping the name Redskins. He talks about being a sixth-generation Montanan, he talks about growing up in Browning and having probably another million addresses before finally settling in in the mining city. He talks about serving as Butte High's assistant boys basketball coach under Matt Ludkey. Thanks for the many suggestions for the guests you'd like to hear from on The ButteCast. Please keep them coming by dropping me a line at full74 at gmail.com or hitting me up on social media. Also, please tell your friends about The ButteCast and how to listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Later this week, I will have the one and only St. Bernard on. Yes, I will sit down with Packers fan Bernie Boyle. What's next, you ask? Cats and dogs living together? Well, we'll see. Now, sit back and enjoy as we get to know the unofficial mayor of Montana, Uncle Sean Wetzel.
2: All right, Sean
0: Wetzel, I had Father. Beretta on last week, and the only possible way to follow up with Father Beretta has to be <laughs> with Uncle Wetzel.
2: I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. <laughs> I hope Beretta's a Jedi. He he,
0: he might be, oh.
2: but you you very well could be as well. Well, maybe not a master Jedi at this point, yeah. maintaining a little humility, but I'm no Padawan, i
0: yeah, tell you that. You've kind of mastered the whole, uh, <laughs> the laid back, uh, was it Spicoli from, uh, cross between yeah, Spicoli but- and maybe the turtle from... Uh, Finding Nemo, oh, man, you know, oh
2: man, those are two. So I got to clarify, you know, Nemo crush. All right. I've never lived in California. <laughs> yeah, I've only been there a couple of times. The degree to which I've been accused of being from there <laughs> is uh, somewhat annoying. You, you do seem a little bit surfer, kind of. But Spicoli was a straight-up head, man. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think I'm a little more polished, a little more articulate, yeah. focused in the moment right now. Yeah. God bless you. <laughs> so I'll take the association just in terms of cool characters and movie history lore. Yeah. I'm and just ordering a pizza, Mr. Hand. <laughs> How does he say hand like it? that? It's like just its hand, right?
0: There's the Hind. I don't know if there's a better character in any TV show.
2: Yeah, he played a pretty cool other than Wooderson on Days and Confused. That yeah. was
0: one badass white boy. Was what one was that? Was that uh, McConaughey. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you got a little bit of that going too. I right? love oh, my those aunt,
2: Yeah, my aunt. I'm Matthew McConaughey. to some people. I'm Marv from Home Alone to others. <laughs> There is a resemblance there, yeah. Oh, man. Well, when I get my facial hair going and I bug my eyes out with a facial expression of some sort, and then I'm throwing my hair up in somewhat of a crazed Yahoo serious
0: fashion, I can uh, identify with Marv. If you ever run into my, my youngest daughter... Maisie, she's a huge fan of that show. You have to tell her that you are Marvin. Oh, no. She'll, nice. She'll probably believe it. She'll be looking for <laughs> Pesci next year.
2: Well, he grew about a foot and a half if that's the case. And he got a little better looking, I hope.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, a little smarter,
2: too. Well, God, that's always the case. You're always yeah. hoping for that.
0: Yeah. Now, you, you've you been in Butte for what? Uh, a little over a year?
2: Yeah. Got here in August of 21 and absolutely on purpose. We were yeah. over in Stevensville and got out of Billings. I was kind of tired of. Digging the tragic city, uh, we gotten robbed, and you know, there was just a lot of energy there. I just wasn't digging on at the time, and I thought getting over the bitter would be a good situation. Well, Mom dipped, took the kids. I went with the plan anyway a month later, but I figured in my laid-back, uh, no. assessing-the-situation mindset that with my son being in Prague and a good friend of mine being just outside of Dusseldorf that a uh, you know 17-day <laughs> excursion over to Europe would be well worth it. So I loaded the U-Haul, took a couple rides over. Ah, oh, the uh-huh. phone's ringing. Yeah. I'll have to shut that down. But um, I fly over there a, a week after I, uh, I landed on the 30th, and I ended up going to the Steel Pulse concert nice. in Missoula stayed at my brother's next night, drove out to Seattle, and then ended up with a direct flight straight to uh, Frankfurt. And mm-hmm. I was over there for, you know, 17 days. So come back, long story short, kids gone, come back. I had Sheldon the second time on uh, August the 19. And, you know, it was a mess over in Stevensville. There's a mass exodus of athletic families you know kids with you know and even the school system it just was you know not to disparage it it was just the leadership at the time and he's since retired so i think this new cat they got out of helena um god i know his name too and it ain't coming to my mind but he's a salty dude and i think he's going to be able to bring some good medicine over there but long story short i called Ludke, and i'm like hey bud i got to get out of stevensville like my ass cheeks are on fire (laughs) And uh, I've got some other things I wanted to look at in terms of counseling. I had some possibilities around the state, but I didn't want to get into the system. Again, I just figured at this stage, I like subbing. I like maybe working on a contract level, but, you know, they're still trying to force me in my paltry substitute uh, payments. They want me to get into the teacher's retirement system. I'm like, I can invest and make way better returns in safer things. I mean, 401ks have yeah. taken a dive and, but you know, long story short, as I tell Lutke, I got to get out of here and I need to, I want to get the butte. Sixth generation Montana boy. I've lived, you know, grew up in Browning, uh, lived in Missoula, born in Missoula, lived back in Missoula and Billings in the fifth grade, Lawrence, Kansas, sixth grade, Helena, seventh, eighth and ninth. And then uh, Corvallis I graduated, you know, so I've lived around, I always wanted to live in Butte since I met, you know, a bunch of dudes in the late 80s. I was like, these are the most Blackfeet type white boys I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. And um, when I said that to Russ Allen one time, he says, what in the hell are you talking about, Wetzel? I'm like that right there. You want to know if I'm on the level or if I'm lowballing you? I says, I'm telling you that very respectfully and um, just
0: refreshingly
2: because uh, Blackfeet are that way. They, you always know where you stand with them. You know, if, they ain't, if they're mad at you, you're going to know. Yeah. Which is pretty and, much a butte trait. Yeah. And that's why it's such a good fit for me. You know, I just don't stand out being tall
0: and pink as I do in <laughs> Browning so much, you know. Yeah, you're not, to, you're not the typical native you'd think you'd see when you right. stare at you, you go up yeah. to Browning there.
2: Well, no, I've really been blessed in that bicultural capacity to be able to kind of build bridges. You know, my brother Donnie's doing that absolutely and directly with the uh, OPI right now as a tribal community liaison. So he takes the state and the bureaucratic side of that approach to education, and he's tying it in with the cultural aspects of Indian country and not just throwing money in, you know. Um, At the end of the day, it's been a tremendous uh, bridge that he's built. And, you know, again, we've just done that. Most of our lives, you know, been able to relate and identify with both respective cultures and just always be able to serve as a conduit, if you will, in terms mm. of understanding. You know, he does it officially. I do it unofficially <laughs> every day. But I love it. The unofficial
0: mayor of Montana, I believe it's all right.
2: Tell, right? <clears throat> <laughs> That's right. People will tell me I need to run for governor of the state or I need to run for mayor of a town. And I'm like, you know, since Montana's a big town and it's an unofficial title, I might have to run for mayor of Montana. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know. we worked. There, I don't know how many games we ended up doing—ten, eleven games—when we worked eleven there, the the down in Dillon. Yeah. a few weeks ago, and some <laughs> fan comes up. He's—I think he's from Missoula, somewhere over by Missoula maybe—and yeah. he thanks me for working. You know, outside the restroom, and and I said, "Well, I'm working with Wetzel, so it's not really work." I go, "You know <laughs> Wetzel, right?" And he said, "Everybody knows Wetzel." <laughs>
2: Oh, that's a good thing. I'm pretty blessed by that. And You know, the thing of it is, is like being sixth generation Montana, and there's always an accountability to just be authentic, be transparent, be genuine, you know, and um, I think that's favored me everywhere I've went, you know, and as the older I've gotten and, you know, the more, I guess, mature I've gotten and realize in life, yeah, I treat everybody like I've known them my whole life. Yeah. The ones that dig on it, even if I'm teasing a stranger in a grocery store line or something, (laughs) the ones that dig on it, uh, awesome. You know, we click, we visit, and it's just like that. The ones that don't, you know, I'm like, all right, well, you know, the pass was intended for you to catch, you know, just because you bat the thing down. It gives me a question mark on whether I want to throw you another pass again. (laughs) But I'm a forgiver, you know, I'm a redeemer, second chance guy. So, you know, for the most part, I I pretty much never have too many problems unless I catch a guy having a bad day, you know. And then I still sometimes kind of work through it Dr. Phil style, but with (laughs) hair and not such a sweet mustache.
0: (laughs) That is a sweet stash, by the way, that he has. I think
2: he's trying to... You think he's trying to dial into the mojo of you know Charles Bronson and
0: Tom Selleck? Yeah, he can't quite pull that off, though. No, not but that's even. what he's working for. and He's yeah. a little
2: too squarish for those kind of cats. They were pretty cool. He's a <laughs> lot
0: squares. So, sixth generation Montana, there's not <clears throat> a lot of people that I know that can claim that, you know, because I'd look, I count back a few generations, then they're going to Ireland or yeah. wherever, yeah. you know, and most people are not that far in Montana. Almost almost have to be native american to, to well, be six and that's generations, you know, right?
2: that's on dad's side you know and obviously on the blackfeet side you know they've been there you know and they're still there and they're always going to be there and that's the neat thing about that but my mom's people had came over from uh pennsylvania pennsylvania dutch you know and there's some german and english in the whole mix but they got out to uh missouri in uh civil war times they didn't want no part of any of that So they got back to uh, Missouri, were there for a little while, and my mom's people were like, this is too much for us too. You know, real live and let live people. You know, real, uh, you need a cup of sugar, I got you. And in today's day and age, you know, if I need a roll of toilet paper, you better not be stingy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it, you know, stay out of everybody's business, do your own thing, be accountable to who you are and who you come from, and just be good to people, you know. Mm -hmm stand for things you know and uh you know being principally based uh you know i feel pretty blessed to have that you know so it's just easy you know when they came over the bitterroot, god and there's some neat stories too my aunt cheryl tells where i guess they had a couple i don't know if it was a holden or a schaefer or an oar or you know there's oars Kurths, browns Johnston's just outside of Crackerville, shorty's towing, you know, that's mm. mom's like third cousin or something, really, like from back in the day, you know. So, um, you get uh, a couple of them on this Gatlin or howitzer is what it was at the little big hole, and they were ordered to shoot on these Nez Perce and Salish. I don't remember, I think it was Nez Perce, and there was no warriors there, just elders women and children yeah and these two were looking at each other like no way in hell man so they created a distraction somehow they jacked the howitzer to kind of lock up or whatever took off and uh stole a couple of company horses and got the hell out of there man. <laughs> they were on the make for a while i mean they wow. were they were after them but by the time the uh, warriors and everybody was coming back they were had other guys get on the howitzer and finally figured out how, but at least it became more of a, they were able to get people out of there, and it became more of a fair fight. You yeah. know, shooting on unarmed people was pretty uh, the norm, it seemed, at the time. But my mom's people weren't about that. They're yeah. like, there ain't no way in hell we're shooting at these folks. You know, and last I heard, uh, I remember my aunt telling me, if I'm correct, the last one, they saw one of them was he was floating down the bitteret, in the river, Looking around, just going with the flow. Figured that would be the best way to get where he's got to get. You know? really? <laughs> and he wasn't afraid to do it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I lose the details after that, you know. But then there was another time, too, where the cavalry was coming up from the south. And they caught my mom's people in the Florence-Carlton area, just south of Florence. There's an old schoolhouse that's over there still built in 1861, something to that effect. It's still there. They were going to try and tear it down in the late 80s, and my aunt went to work with the state and got it recognized as a national histor- or a statewide historic, you know deal. So since they couldn't tear it down, they wanted to turn it into a barn. They literally had to rip out the floors of a hundred some year old building, you know, barn or schoolhouse if you will. Mm. So they ripped out the floors. Now they got exotic goats and little tiny miniature goats it's kind of weird but it's kind of cool big barbed wire peace sign on the barn yeah you know threw a couple of eaves on it but about that time they chief looking glass and i guess company of his guys headed up to lolo pass and uh my mom's people diverted the cal cavalry north to missoula you know which is known to be you know hellgate canyon which they called the Gates of Hell at the time because then Blackfeet had lay in wait and, you know, ambush ambushing those cavalry yeah. that came through there. They're like, you're not coming through here, you know? So there's a lot of history to that, and I always thought it was neat, and I've had to tell people. You know, Hellgate High School, Hellgate Canyon, it was all predicated on how the Blackfeet dominated that at one point in time, trying to salvage any autonomy they had at least conceivably left, you know? So yeah, I just, I look at all that and I look at the balance of it all. And like I said, I'm sixth generation. My kids are seventh generation and, you know, I raise them accordingly. I want them to be accountable to that. I want them to understand who they come from and that
0: there's a certain
2: candor and demeanor and authenticity really with which you need to carry yourself.
0: It seems like that's something Native American history and Native American studies. I took a class, I took a 300 level class at the University of Montana and. it didn't. I don't know if it wasn't the right time in my life, or I wasn't taught the right way, or maybe I should have started with the 100 level class because I had to fill an elective. You know, but it seems that it's that's not taught enough. I mean, we learn the history of everything, but I mean that's one of the the biggest black black eyes, you know, trail of tears and yeah, and all that's one one of the biggest black eyes on the United States is that that genocide that was there. But uh, I I don't think we study that enough or talk about it enough. Well,
2: and I think, you know, with one of the things, and you look at where we're going today, you know, so many things are being exposed, so many things are being acknowledged now. and It's gotten haywire, you know, statues coming down, this and that and the other. But I think at the end of the day, we need to have these conversations, and it's a long time coming that we've been able to have this come to the forefront, to be able to really acknowledge, you know, they find... Several hundred kids buried under some Catholic uh, church, something in British Columbia. That's gone untalked about for generations. Well, some people don't want to talk about it because we don't feel responsible for it. But at the same time, even though we're not responsible for it, if we're going to ever allow this, if we're ever going to allow ourselves to heal, we've got to be able to ultimately understand that we all relate and that we all have to be able to get things off our chest. We need to have things acknowledged just on a personal level. And when you broaden that and those stories, it helps native indigenous cultures heal, feeling respected and acknowledged finally. So, you know, I don't think we need to go as far as we're going uh, with a lot of the things that are transcending from it. But I think we can modify things. And again, we can acknowledge Hey, that these things happened and as atrocious as they were, you know, but hey, look where we are now. Look at the opportunities that we have right now in this day and age. And again, I, you know, I think, you know, I think there's always been, you know, uh, discrimination at some level or other, but, you know, it's never exclusive, you know. And I think what we've seen with this country, you know, there's been so many, everybody can advance, you know everybody can advance. And we've set the standard on that. I think a lot of this stuff gets a little sideways. But again, let's have a conversation so we can get off the energy, negative energy, the you don't understand me, I don't understand you. And I think if we have these things, then it allows us to have a little more empathy for each other. You know, and you talk to some people, they don't want it, they don't care. Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Some people are stuck in their ways and teach their own. But I think for those of us that are evolved, those of us that are conscientious about life and humanity and our experience in it, you know, I think we need to acknowledge certain things and just be like, yeah, shit, that's an awful thing that happened, but hey, you know, here we are. Let's move forward, having a little more understanding and uh, recognition of what we've all been through. And I think that, that empathy, I think that will you know, allow a lot of the energy to subside. You know, so many people want to be heard. Natives were never like that. You you go back to civil rights and stuff and blacks were out marching and Indians were sitting back there going, oh, geez, I don't know. Is is this how we roll? You know what I mean? My grandpa would talk about that. You know, my, my, my grandpa, you know, he, that's another thing, you know, getting sideways, but we're just rambling here. My grandpa was real good friends with Mike Mansfield. And growing up, knowing that, growing up, you know, be going to those environments uh, where Manfield was around. Mansfield and Grandpa, they always hung out. It was really cool. And since I've been here, I've had a few people in my both sides of my family acknowledge, hey, look, you're the first in two generations of either side to be in Butte. So, hey, thank you. Congratulations. (laughs) You know, they're commending me for it. My Uncle Earl Barlow, for which there's a statewide day named, uh every June 2nd now, um for his contributions in education, Indian education. You know, he worked uh he was Bureau of Indian Education. He was in Minnesota for a while, if I'm not mistaken. He's just had a long standing history. Former superintendent of schools at Stevensville. He calls me, sends me a letter That my aunt Arlene uh, transcribed for him because he's really lost his eyesight at ninety four, but he's a tough old bird. He's still kicking. God, what a vault of just info! But they write me a letter and send me a check to Lydia's, to uh, or a hundred dollar check. Take the kids to Lydia's. You got to eat there. Just remember, it's not in Meterville anymore, you know. (laughs) And I'm old enough and savvy enough to recognize that Meterville's been gone a long time, you know. But no, it's just neat. You know yes. it's just really neat to be able to uh understand who I come from and you know who I represent
0: well, it's quite the family i I just googled if you go go google wetzel <laughs> comma Montana and the first story that pops up is a story written by your brother Don nice and it says uh it's about uh he's trying to clarify the misquotes he said he said everybody with the last name of Wetzel in Montana was asked. A million questions when they changed they dropped the name the Redskins from Washington, yeah. the football team, and he said uh, he's been misquoted a million times. So he wanted to kind of clarify his stance on it because your grandfather what was your grandfather the Darky, is that what they call him? Blackie, Blackie. Well, yeah, uh, Blackie. Well, no, Blackfeet man. Is that what his it came name
2: from? is? Six in them in Blackfeet language, Six in them is Blackfeet man or man of the Blackfeet. Yeah. Well, they called him Blackie for short i gotta share this story because i think it's one of the funniest stories ever (laughs) so back in the 60s when he's in dc he was a keynote speaker or something to that effect and bobby kennedy was up there he was kind of running things and well there was mostly about there's probably about 2500 people in this one of these Capitol buildings you know 2500 people in this huge you know area and um grandpa like i said he was keynote speaking and he comes running and it comes in a little late and everybody's positioned. Well, there's about 85-90% of that population is blacks. And then there's some Indians there and there's some other, you know, minorities being represented, but it was primarily blacks. Bobby gets on the mic and he says, Hey Blackie, get, let's get up here. Let's get things rolling. <laughs> I guess the whole damn place went silent. <laughs> you know, I always loved hearing that story. and Grandpa, you know, he's shaking hands with a table full of blacks. He knew some of them, you know. And Well, I guess I have some explaining to do or <laughs> something like that. He just always had a way about him. Just everybody in the room when my grandpa was around, you know, he just always had that medicine about him to uh, make everybody feel welcome, make everybody mm-hmm. feel like, hey, we're all on the same page here he just had that way about him and i always thought that was a neat characteristic about my grandpa
0: yeah, and you said he was uh he knew kennedy's both jack you oh, no. john kennedy and
2: well yeah i got pictures right bro. over here where he's
0: sitting with you know did jack. he call did he call him jack though that's the thing or well, is he...
2: yeah jack and bobby they yeah. were his friend we got telegrams you know really i gotta show this to
0: you hold on the, go ahead and uh i'll hit pause here Yeah,
2: hit pause for a sec. i gotta show you this picture it's epic
0: the Uptop Clothing Company is a Butte based business with big plans in Uptown Butte. Uptop also dresses champions around the state of Montana and beyond. You will find the Uptop logo on Butte High's football uniforms, and Uptop is designing the uniforms for Butte High's inaugural baseball season in 2023. Order your college or team apparel today. Do you want gear for the Bobcats, Grizzlies, Ordigers, Bulldogs, or Saints? Uptop has what you want and so much more. Uptop also takes custom orders on team apparel and uniforms. Visit teamuptop.com today and save 15% off your first order. The Uptop Clothing Company. Enjoy the moment.
1: There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskies and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary.
0: Markovich Construction Incorporated is Southwest Montana's largest and most successful general contracting firm. They employ the best field craftsmen, managers, and support staff, and they maintain the most complete fleet of building construction equipment in the area. Markovich Construction has the construction team to make any project a success they have a proven successful history of working with owners and design professionals to address any project challenges, and they routinely bring in projects ahead of schedule and within budget. Recent projects include the Veterans Home, Burt Mooney Airport, Starbucks, the Ridgewater Water Park, and more. Visit Markovichconst.com to see some of their recent projects and call 406-494-3901 to let Markovich Construction work for you. Markovich Construction when performance counts.
1: 5518 Designs is your uptown Butte destination for all of your apparel and gift needs. 5518 offers their own line of in-house designed and locally produced apparel, celebrating what we love about Butte and our Montana lifestyle. You'll also find outdoor essentials such as Chaco Sandals, Dakine backpacks and gear, and Kavu apparel and packs. Something for the whole family. Visit 5518 Designs at twenty seven North Main Street in the heart of historic uptown Butte and online at shop5518.com.
0: All right, so these your grandfather's right in the middle with the glasses there.
2: Yeah, and he's got Mansfield to his right, and then Lee Metcalf from and then, Stevensville, and,
0: the other center. And then John Kennedy. I'll have to take pictures of these, throw them on the yeah, the sure. with the-
2: well, and then there's that one, and then there's him on the steps of the uh, Capitol building here in Montana. And uh, Jack's right here next to him. that's
0: him with the paper there,
2: yeah, yeah. And then that one right there is from when there was a if you like old westerns, old Indian movies, yeah. there was a movie called Grey Eagle one time, and uh, it was in the 70s, late 70s. Grandpa was a medicine man in that thing, now that's him there, yeah. It? So that's him and his the regalia they had him uh, yeah. use in the movie. But, yeah, Grandpa was, pretty- was a powerful man, real good person. Um, You know, he wasn't – uh he did a lot of good things for the Blackfeet people. He, he just did a lot of good things for anybody that he was ever really involved with because he had integrity. Yeah. He was very honorable, you know.
0: Yeah, and he was kind of behind – I think your brother said he was like a fifth, probably had about a fifth to do with it, the concept for the Washington Redskins Yeah, logo. yeah, it
2: wasn't always – you know, they make it sound like... Sound like
0: he drew it, kind of, you know.
2: He never did any of that. He yeah. just, you know, two-guns white calf. Uh, my grandpa carried his Eagle Bone Whistle bundle uh, until he died in 03, 04. Um, yeah, he sent the uh, artist a couple of pictures of him, and from that, you know, they got the, uh, the image, yeah. and, you know, it was always meant to be respectful. You yeah. Know. It was always meant to be acknowledged, you know, that, uh, yeah... You know, it's funny because for me and some of the stuff that I've done, and this is separate from what anybody's ever asked, but I remember reading some things back in college trying to qualify this, you know, misperception about redskin. And I remember, you know, you look at Leif Erikson and all those Norwegians that came over here in the late eighth, early, or late ninth, early tenth century. And they never took over anything. They discovered this place way before. You know what I mean? Hey, you, I mean wish, you
0: mean Columbus didn't come see, here that's first? That's what yeah. I mean. I,
2: I think in the midst of having all these conversations with us, we got to get certain things in perspective. I think we've glorified certain things, and you know, Columbus wasn't necessarily the man with the most integrity, anyway. You no. know, if you look at it from a multicultural yeah, standpoint. You know, everybody always wants to blame white people. It was them Spaniards that really mm-hmm. got things haywire here in the United States if we're talking early conquests and stuff. <laughs> but I digress. The hell
0: was I talking <laughs> about? Your grandfather <laughs> there with the the redskins. The, oh, the yeah, yeah, the redskin thing.
2: So one of the things I had read was you know the descriptions in some of the written history of the Norwegian people that were over here. They described the Indian people as... You know, red-skinned, red-faced, you know, they were amazed by their, their glow, their yeah. aura. They just were really captivated by it. So the red skin was always an affectionate term from what I learned from the Scandinavians that were over here yeah. way in the hell before this place was quote-unquote discovered. And people right. don't realize that there's arrowheads they find over in Norway, teepee rings, you know, so there were some things going on there, yeah. I think, in terms of, you know, understanding and sharing and learning from each other's culture. And I, you know, I think long that's... Before, long before
0: 1492 when Columbus that, sailed the ocean blue. You know, huh? all that <laughs>
2: stuff, you know, the indoctrination. But that's what
0: we were taught when we were we were in Absolutely. school. Columbus Day was taught like he discovered America yeah. and that was, and he discovered the world wasn't round, which yes. is something they had the known German. for a long time, right, you know, before right. that.
2: So, I think, yeah, get that stuff addressed. Let's be well it was wrong, should say. I think as right. it wasn't wrong, yeah, it was wrong, but you know, um, I just think the Norwegians and that story's never really been told as much yeah. as it should on a broader global
0: narrative, yeah know. when they changed that y- your brother said uh, the the among the Blackfeet and even among the Wetzel people with the last name Wetzel, the opinions on that varied tremendously <laughs> was how how were were they was that something that you got the sense that? that was well received by the Blackfeet or was it something that they oh, they just shook their head at? Yeah, or? I'm going to
2: get in trouble because <laughs> I've really got a theory and it's pretty well substantiated. But at the end of the day, the ones that really knew who they were as Blackfeet, the ones who really identified with who they were, that, that was never really anything that was negative to them. They could have cared less. You yeah. know what I mean? They didn't see it as either one or the other in a lot of respects. A lot of other people, I thought they used it as a platform to maybe overly identify as, you know, Blackfeet. And again, God forgive me for anybody that might take offense to that. But at the end of the day, again, everyone involved knew what it was about. Yeah. And in this virtue signaling world, it became an issue. And, you know, hey, no big deal. But there were a lot more significant things that went on to my grandpa's contribution to the Redskins that uh have been unaddressed but that that's another story and they're they're more important uh than just the image but you know hey they're the commanders now and i'll still call them the redskins yeah. and i still i have, can't help it i just i and i i can
0: help it if i'm talking to my dad i say the commanders he'd say who <laughs> who yeah. right <laughs> yeah you know the redskins right. oh yeah
2: right you know and john riggins and those guys you know i'd look at all that you know there's yeah, a the song history. hail to the redskins was the yeah. best fight song
0: in the nfl ever
2: Yeah, and I got to meet Mark Rippin over the years when I was out in uh, Post Falls, Idaho. I was a head server at the Hot Rod Cafe in Post Falls, and uh, he'd come in, and he had a little dude, and they had an ice cream truck. I used to pick up the kid and say, hey, you want to fly like Batman to the ice (laughs) cream truck? And they're like, what? Well, I'd pick him up, and I'd have him put a fist out and have him had a hand back by their hip and be fully erect, and I'm just holding them (laughs) on my hands, flying them through the tables, and... Yeah. You know, they felt like a million bucks. Well, one of them was Rippon's kid, who turned out to have leukemia. Oh, And, um, you know, I got to know him in that year-and-a-half window I was there. And then, you know, he was just a neat dude. He'd come in, I'd shake his hand. You know, sometimes he'd sit at the bar, he'd be by himself, and he'd just watch football or watch sports. You know, mm-hmm. he'd, I think he was just looking for a little space. But what a neat dude Mark Rippon was. They ended up losing that child, unfortunately, and I always remembered that. You know, I always just wish I could have. You know, been able to... If I'd have still lived there at the time, I, I know I would have been... I would have went to the thing, you know, because yeah. I just got to... You know, I'd sit and visit with him. He was just really easy to visit, you know, and he's a Spokane Indian, you know. Yeah. He's from one of those tribes over there, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Idaho Panhandle, but... Uh, yeah, I just think the Redskins thing... Uh, hopefully, everybody's happy, and uh, again, it's who cares? <laughs> There's no way anyone's yeah, going to be
0: happy. You know, as a, as a guy who... Uh, i can't go outside i'd go out and if i stood outside now for 15 minutes i'd get sunburned you right. know, I'm, I'm a lily white guy <laughs> you know so i mean my opinion on it probably doesn't pack a whole lot of punch but to me it just seemed like something that was like almost symbolizes a whole native american problems like we'll just oh we'll change the name and everything's all better yeah i mean See, and, and it, it's thing. just it's just bs there's they didn't solve anything no. if they really wanted to address they, the issues there's a whole they could address the yeah, issues
2: there's the mm you know uh iw murdered yeah. missing indigenous women yeah. cause there's more legitimate things that are really affecting indian country right now than whether all the virtue signalers or whatever you want to call them if that's a little heavy whatever their thoughts are yeah i just think at the end of the day okay we've got it behind us now let's focus on things that really matter yeah. and hopefully that's always what yeah. you're
0: looking did you get for. Did, did the press contact you for stories did you ever have i declined
2: to every interview really yeah and there was only a couple you know but i was like no I'm going to leave that up to those that might be a little more in the know. And yeah. just wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, because your brother had got hit And Donnie, times. he nailed it. You know, yeah.
2: Donnie nailed it. So to get out there and regurgitate something along those lines and maybe not even fully address it because he'd been so p- peppered and bombarded yeah. with it, and he handled it like class. And Donnie's, yeah. I pretty much, everything Donnie said, I always pretty much stuck with. Everybody else's version was always a little more, Flowers and fluff, and yeah, uh, you know, he, he was right to the La point. Don, don't mess around, yeah, he never has, and he never will. You know, he's genuine as they come,
0: yeah. Now, see your older brother, younger brother, younger, three yeah. years and three days to my younger. Is he also what did you say, five foot 20?
2: Yeah, no, he's uh, let's see, he's six three so yeah, he's five feet uh, 15, yeah. five foot, <laughs> just two, a little guy, just 17, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, no, yeah, he's 5'13. Was he a basketball player? Um. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Don Did, is a great athlete. And where'd he play at? Where'd... Well, what's funny with Donnie is, you know, he was a freshman at Corvallis, you know, and then I'd graduated the year before. They went to state. Then he, dad moved, went to work with Stan Stevens at the uh, coordinator of Indian Affairs for the state. And then Donnie went to Boulder, played under Norton. Well, they were loaded there, you know, Shan Holzer and Vic, and they had a good little squad there, and they would have been good again. But Dad went and took the superintendency up in Harlem. So Donnie went up to Harlem, finished his last two years there, and battled hard, changed the culture of Harlem just immediately. Um, didn't make state either year, but, you know, he was a multiple uh, state finalist. And
0: Making state in that classification is a pretty big deal, right? It's
2: tough, you know, and he goes to state and track, and he's, uh, you know, multi- again, multiple medal winner, Didn't never won one. But, uh yeah hurdles like 100 200 long jump 400 you know and then he gets into the hurdles the 110 highs never ran them until districts his senior year ends up taking second in state really? <laughs> it so was amazing so he's just an athlete just an athlete you know and he had football scholarships up the yin yang he was faster and geez yeah. grease lightning that kid I always said he was always brand like the cops were chasing him <laughs> but um i'm telling you he could have went to several d1 schools and he was a hooper you yeah. know he loved his hoops so he went and played and was a part of a real transformation from uh gary bays to craig cars uh, when msub went from north you know eastern to msub about yeah. the time northern went to uh msu northern and um yeah, they won the GNAC two years in a row, and you know he played with Glico and Brent Montague and those guys. You know they had a nice squad, yeah. Um, and yeah, they bled for each other. You know, Cars yeah. was that dude. But yeah, so Donnie, you know, he did that, and you know, for me, baseball was always my favorite sport. And, really? Oh boy!
0: When you're five foot uh, twenty, that it seems like <laughs> it's easy to have a hole in your swing because no. you don't see a lot of tall guys. Yeah well i tell you what i'd be lying high average
2: i'd be lying to you if i didn't tell you a curveball folded me like a piece (laughs) of paper half the time (laughs) but uh, no i was a pretty good hitter pretty good contact hitter but uh i always felt my my best strengths were in the field when oddly enough i you know growing up in browning dad started the first Blackfeet all-star program um and i got to play shortstop you know ben horn played it for a little while um but yeah, I just played shortstop most of the time growing up, and it wasn't until I was playing with the uh, Red Sox when the Bucks in uh, the bitter had gone from Hamilton, Vester Wilson, and those guys had a beef with uh, you know the organization there, yeah. so they just took them, went to Florence where they wanted it to be, and then the Red Sox came in, and me living south of Corvallis, a couple miles, you know, I'm not going to drive all the way up to Florence. Um, I might as well stay and play for the Red Sox. You know, I like their stadium in Hamilton and stuff. So I did that, and I got unseated by Jason Goligoski, which was no surprise. I mean, he played some AAA ball. Hamilton kid, hell of an athlete.
0: His kids were players, uh, basketball players and baseball players and softball players. uh, Absolutely.
2: Um, uh, What was I going to say?
0: Yeah, you played... So baseball, you played shortstop.
2: Yeah, I played shortstop. Then I ended up playing. I, a lot I would have, of first. I would have
0: pitched. Yeah, I was going to put you at first base. Yeah, if, if I'm if I'm and starting my team, first. just because you're six six eight, that's yeah. a pretty good size for first. And
2: I was base. a good target, but I cover a lot of ground. I was pretty rangy and ended up playing a lot of softball over the years. Right. Uh, just that I'd let a you know some smaller dude on a new team be like, yeah, yeah. And I'd play with my man Beaver Fisher and those guys. I'd let him kick it around for a couple weeks, a couple yeah. months, like Pele out there. God rest <laughs> his soul. It's a great one. And then I'd always end up taking over. So, yeah, just, you know, being able to play in that spot, it was always kind of fun for me. It kind of allowed me to quarterback the infield and such. But nevertheless, the only D1 school that ever gave me any sniffs was Gonzaga, and they were recruiting me mostly
0: for basketball. Really? But, uh, but they talk know, baseball though, huh?
2: Oh yeah, that was the only school that was willing. No. They wanted me to come in and throw. But you know, could, I, you,
0: uh, could you bring the heat? Or were you more? Yeah, of a I junker? had a little
2: more of a Randy Johnson kind of mojo. Yeah, I could throw it. I had good. Did location. you have a long hair then? No, see, Dad, no old school. You know, he was a superintendent principal. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was. Because now up. you got that. You talk about Marv. You also have a little Randy Johnson. Then. Right, right. Have, but I am a righty. I bat left and dude. throw right. But, uh, yeah,
2: i just never really gotten into pitching at the level that it was, uh, you know, a strength of mine, yeah. you know what I mean? I just usually played in the field. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, I went to Missoula and played basketball there for a year, red-shirted. I didn't like red-shirting. But, I mean, I didn't want a red-shirt. We came to the Butte
0: Civic Center, and I was kind of gauging things, what you was, know? There? was that over there then, coaching? Stu Morrill. Stu, okay. Yeah, that's when they had a Stu at each school in Montana, right?
2: Right, right. Stu Starner. And actually, in all honesty, again, this might upset some people too, but (laughs) Stu Starner, that program was more designed for me growing up, playing guard, being able to handle the ball. You know, Um, know, I was Neil McCarthy from New Mexico State wanted me to come down and play the point. And that was the only coach that really wanted to, Salt me up as a point guard at that point in time. And that's where I wanted to play, you yeah. know, because I could handle
0: it growing up in Browning. Well, the you brothers had, were there, Ron, right? Pardon me? Were the Ferch brothers there then? That? Yeah, so. Because you graduated. No, 80. they were
2: gone. Uh, yeah, well, Crowell was there and uh, Shan was at Pepperdine at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he and left. By the yeah, time I came back. But that's what I'm saying. I think that would have been a great fit. But, it, you know, we come to the university and, uh, you know, I'm having a good fall. I'm feeling pretty good about things, and we get our first test at the Civic Center, and we was copper-gold back then, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's us, the red shirts, and uh, a lot of the younger guys versus the starters, and that's Tinkle, John Record, Casey, or Casey McGowan, Tony Reed, Nate Duchesne. You know, we had a nice little squad that year, but uh, we came out and balled on them, and I had like 21 and like 8... Like really? four assists, something like that. I was balling. I had three threes. I love shooting in the Civic Center. I always had. Really? You know? And um the next Monday, this is on a Saturday, Monday they tell me they're redshirting me. I was like, What? And I locked down McGowan and record mm-hmm. collectively to like eleven points. So the you know, the point differential was yeah. even that clear but I could D them up too. They couldn't. Casey was too lefty. God bless him. But um, yeah, you know, so they wanted me to redshirt. So I redshirted. They had me on creatine and I just was gaining water weight and I just didn't turn blue like the girl on Willy Wonka, but that's how I felt. I was just getting bloated, <laughs> like violet. you know. Yeah, violet, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, so... I got out of there. I went and played for Oli Williams over at North Idaho and played there for a couple of years and then ended up going to uh, Northern. Um, finishing up under Lauren Baker and Mark Durham. Tim Henry was the guy that really recruited me there.
0: I uh, didn't know Mark was up at Northern.
2: Yeah, Mark was Bake's assistant for a couple of years. And, uh, I love Mark Durham. No, oh, Mark Durham's awesome. You know, and again, Mick was an assistant at the time yeah. under Stu and so it was cool you know i, I got to, i always heard about their uh three forks lore you yeah, know but a, being able you know, to meet they... mark and you know and he ended up knowing matt down at uh western during his time so there's a lot of connectability between you know me and lucky in our own world but then just coaches that we've known and yeah. played for and you know, i always
0: and wanted to see what it would like to watch uh Mick Durham play when they had remember they called it the Mick and Finney show yeah man Cause I, cause I always blame, I always blame Mick Durham for ruining my shot I always fancied myself a shooter you know yeah. and if you, if you go to Google or Google uh, on YouTube Bill Foley can play basketball it's a Barry Brophy gave me the video they took a video of us shooting straight on from the free throw line <laughs> and then from the side and I made all four shots nice and I'm wearing my Walter Payton jersey some sweatpants oh, yeah. you know, it's 9, 1987 make all four shots and I go in to the room where Mick Durham was going to at the Butte Central basketball camp, he was going to
1: tell me evaluate
0: man. my shot, and he—I went in there. I couldn't believe all the things I did wrong. I'm like, <laughs> but coach, I made them. I'm hitting them, <laughs> them right? Them. But I have my elbow, and I'm trying to get my elbow into my arms, not yeah. working. I'm like, Larry Bird has his elbow, up, so I'm, for yeah. the next three years, I'm trying to shoot with, and I. So I then then went finally switched back, and and you know, and then I, I of course I'd never. I could always shoot really good when I was in the Oaks by myself. Yeah, isn't but, that you know, always the put, case? Put somebody on me. Yeah. And that's a little different story. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the, so the Mick and Finney show, that's what I, I've always heard stories about that. But So, how how did you get tied in with, with Matt Lutke, the Butte High Broncos? Well, basketball you know,
2: coach? it's funny there, too, because my man Jimmy Sturgar, I was. Uh, the great Jimmy Sturgar oh, the from great Anaconda, Jimmy Montana. Jimmy Sturgar, what a stud. No, this kid, I'd met him at some camps, and little shit could just fly. You know, I always loved how he'd go in and dunk and, well, you know, my freshman year, let's see, after my first year at North Idaho, I'd already left. I'd got a job with the state, uh, working highway construction. So I worked with like Jim Sturm and these guys and they. I asked Jimmy if uh, he's got any room for me at his mm-hmm. pad for the summer because I got like an eight week gig with the state, yeah. you know. So I stayed with John and Gene. I got to meet two incredible people there, you know, those parents. And, you know, there's Jay, there's Lori, there's a big family. Yeah. You know, big stereotypical Catholic anaconda family, yeah. you know. So I got to meet a lot of those guys, you know, a lot of those peers. But Jimmy was the one I stayed in touch with most. I've gotten reacquainted with like Tony Hewitt and Corey Hewitt and Matisich and oh, those, those guys. guys are such badass stuff. Yeah. Just good dudes too, you know. And, um, but yeah, I, uh, stayed with Sturgar. So I stayed in touch with him over the years. He gets his job with Ronan. Um, you know, I followed him, followed up with him, you know, got in touch with him, congratulated him. It was just kind of neat seeing him get after it. Cause I knew he had a good mind for the game and he was going to be a good coach, you know? Well, through that, I got to meet, you know, I get, got to know about this, you know, lucky kids. And, um, I didn't you know, just over the years, just every time i'd run into matt and meet you know see each other we'd just visit like we'd known each other a long time you know he was really easy to visit with and so uh we um i gotta shut that volume off um but yeah seeing him at tournaments you know we just visit and then it wasn't until about three uh, it was about 2019 no it was about yeah 2018 something like when built when jimmy when Central won their first state title game uh, in Great Falls. Um, God, they played for a heck of a lot of them in a row. Yeah. And they finally got one. I can't remember if it was three or four, but they finally got that one. And it was great, you know. And um, I got to meet Dan. You he, he always got to meet my dad. You got to meet Dangerous Dan. Danimal, you know. Wow. Well, then I met him and I could visit with Dan at a bus stop or in a grocery line for hours. You know just easy going and then it wasn't until I get um, 2019 my mom's last uh you know of her aunt's generation so my mom's grandma's all them my grandma and all her sisters are gone except my aunt Betty Jane she asked me how I'm how, uh, if I how I know this Lutkey, you know and so I gave her a little explanation on messenger and she said, well ask them if they know Elmer. Long story short of that, I asked Matt, he doesn't respond. I asked Dan, I text Dan, and no sooner do I text, the phone rings right back to me. What do you want to know about Elmer? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, are you related to him? Well, yeah, he's my grandpa. And then, so through the oars, you know, and then Edda, my mom's, you know, oldest sister, Lee Etta, Leroy and Etta, she's named after his grandma, you know. Wow. And so it, we're related. I don't know fourth fifth cousins but just to find out we're related you know it's funnier than heck you know and so you know in 20 yeah so last it was twenty twenty one then yeah August of or I, it was that summer I was like I got to get out of here I like to kid people around saying that uh he pulled over and picked me up because my car was broken down and I just needed to ride to get to Butte and he's like well yeah I'm heading there and kid around telling people that i didn't know him yeah well then by the time we got the butte i says i'm not getting out of this car until you pick me up and put me on your staff because i want to help you coach you know (laughs) and so yeah we drove around he ran out of gas up in walkerville and finally said ah the hell wetzel i might (laughs) as well bring you on you poor bastard (laughs) no but yeah it's cool it's just really good you know and um you know, again, it gets back to, you know, what are we doing as coaches? What are we doing as mentors? What are we doing as educators? And, you know, I think uncles, you know, it's funny, you know, as a dad. I'm always trying to help in all those hats that you wear. You're just trying to help prepare kids. You're trying to help kid put kids in the best position they can to ascertain and grasp the things that I think a lot of them uh, could be destined for. You know, they just deal with a lot of things. So being able to coach, being able to do that, to do it with a man of Matt's caliber, you know, he's as solid as a dude as I've ever known. And obviously, we're related now. So I can, you know, <laughs> I can take uh, credence in that or credibility in a little of that. But it's a good fit. You know, he's got a good program. This is fourth year, you know, uh, we're turning a corner. I think he's just kind of made the best of what he's had previously. And But the kids in his system that are coming up now, you know, they're all in high or they're starting to be in high school. They're that freshman class, sophomore class. Um, Yeah, we just got good things happening. We got real good kids. We got a good senior class. Um, Yeah, just neat kids, you know. That I'm just really thankful to be a part of their whole deal. And you know, again, it's funny they call me Uncle Wetz because of Russo, and I love it, you know. And then being Matt's varsity assistant this year. Uh, last year I coached the sophomores exclusively, and this year I get to be in Matt's back pocket, so it allows me to kind of pop around to the other programs too, and you know just come in Uncle Wet style, and you know sometimes I'll give him water, or yeah. sometimes I'll just try and stay steward like you know yeah. look after. Well, because
0: he's, I guess to say the least, I would describe him. He's very intense during the game.
2: Oh yeah, look,
0: he's he's not off the court. No, yeah. He's, Matt's
2: as chill as they come, but, but you know. during
0: the game, he's pretty intense. Is that what you bring? Do you kind of are you balancing him a little bit? Well,
2: I'd like to think so, but also I'm an intense cat and he's had to tell me a couple times, hey, don't say nothing to the refs. I'm like, but it's Foley. <laughs> no, I'm just projecting what's yeah. gonna be coming down the line. Yeah. On no, Friday. but yeah, I I'd like to think at the end of the day, understanding him as I understand me and just the you know, compatibility and the symbiotic way we connect yeah i think anytime you can help balance anybody um that's a blessing that's a that's a compliment that's an honor and i think you know i just think you know we go together like peanut butter and chocolate you know (laughs) with a little you know a whole lot of nuts in there i was swearing you were going with (laughs) jelly but yeah (laughs) no right but no i'm just like i said i'm blessed i'm humbled and you know being here in butte yeah it's a great fit I wanna die an old bastard in Walkerville in my 90s if I'm lucky enough to do so. And if I ever do leave Butte, I'll probably, uh, you know, maybe summertime or winter up in Anaconda, you know. (laughs) But uh, beyond that, I'll travel here and there, but you know, I don't know to what degree I'm gonna get too frisky moving at this point, you know. Done a lot of moving in my life.
1: Casa
0: Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef but did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order
1: pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi
0: nights at Casa Granda's, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa
1: Granda's can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertocchio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Dig City Supply has everything you need to cheer on your Montana tech or diggers with the largest selection of locally designed and produced, fully licensed apparel and gifts. Bulldog and Maroon fans can shop their huge selection of fan gear for your teams and schools, as well as a wide selection of Butte-themed items. Modern, classic, wear your pride from Dig City Supply, a division of 5518 Designs located across from the parking garage at 43 West Park Street in Uptown Butte or online at digcitysupply.com.
0: Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now, it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh-brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top tier conical fuel every single day. Plus earn points at the pump and in the store.
3: This message is brought to you by Anno Designs in Anaconda. I know what you're all thinking, fully, you twit. Why are you letting this Anaconda hack get connected with the Butte cast? Well folks, money talks. Anno Designs is a printing and direct to garment shop in Anaconda, but that's not all we do. We actually specialize in embroidery and graphic design. We also dabble in sign creation and vinyl banners, also decals for your motor vehicles. Now, there are so many great options for screen printers out there. Take 5518, for example. You all know the work John and company do in Butte. And like me, they support local guys like this who started a podcast, really original. But if your current printer is too busy to get your job done in a timely fashion, why not give us a try? For a limited time only, all new businesses who place an order with Anode Designs will get their screen, embroidery, and graphic design origination fees waived. Just call 406-563-0121 or email LLC at gmail.com and use the code Foley Who during the consultation. Anode Designs is a proud supporter of the Butte cast and is pushing hard to get more Anaconda talent on the show. Don't just take it from me. Listen to the buttery smooth voice of a Butte legend tell you. There's two things we
0: like about Butte. It's 24 miles away and Tom O'Deal. Welcome to Copperhead Country. Well, you played for Helena High as a freshman, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Corvallis, and you then you're, you had a million addresses along the <laughs> way, right? You ain't lying. Yeah. You ain't so lying. Now you're, you're kids, bulldog, so now your kids, Bulldogs, though.
2: Yeah. No, and that's, that was one of the things. I told the kids, I told Sheldon. Kiana wasn't with us yet, but she knew she was coming to come back with us again. Um and i said look i want you guys to i've always wanted to live in butte we need to be in a place where you know we're around authentic people that are too real and genuine to front around and act like anything i think we need that right now you know i think the bitter had been just a bitter has been compromised a lot of -of out-of-staters it's just kind of become a different place there's some still old staples there that i'm glad are there but uh Yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I says, and the key thing about it is you guys will be be able to say you're Bulldogs for life. They didn't necessarily get that at the time, Yeah, but I think they do now, you know, and I think that accountability. You know, Kiana, her athletic career didn't transpire, but there was a four-year window that I didn't have her and wasn't able to develop and cultivate her strengths. But uh, she took a whack at softball, basketball. This year she's going to focus on track. So I'm really proud of her for that. But she's also helping us too in the basketball capacity. She's pretty diligent, so she's helping uh, in the managerial capacity, I should say, right. keeping scorebook and stuff like that. Her and DJ. But yeah, she's steady, and allows her to stay involved. You know, being a single dad raising these two on my own allows them to allows us all to be together. When she played for Arnie last year, JV. Well, she played JV everywhere we went. She yeah. went the opposite way. Yeah, I hate that. So about she them. comes to live back with us, and we don't even get to see her. So it was tough, but you know, at the end of the day, it's worked out great, and um, yeah, I do kind of miss
0: the days where we traveled together. You know, I wish they'd bring that back where they would play double headers all the
2: time. Yeah, that was always good.
0: Yeah, because it's uh, well, it, it's so unfair. You see, so you see that so much as a coach, where you know Brody Kelly, his daughter's playing on the road and he's coaching. Yeah,
2: you
1: know, at it's
0: home, brutal. you know, it's it's really and that rough. was my situation. I yeah. can't imagine missing your kid's game. Yeah. And Or I parents saw, who, who have two kids at school. Boy I and saw girl.
2: three halves of Kiana's games last year. Yeah. You know, and one of them was the Butte Central game at the Civic Center. And But, you know, I'm just glad she's there. Sheldon's a sophomore. Uh, you know, he's six four and he's still growing. But I think his strength is starting to catch up with his length a little bit. And once he gets his core and he finds his core and his balance... He's long, lanky, and he's a springy little shit, too. he said he's, he's really her. fast, too, right? And he's fast. Is your yeah. daughter fast? Not as, but I think as she's gotten older, I think that's where the track comes in. She's a strong runner, and watching her play flag football, you know, she was part of the Oh, she was on the, that the legendary inaugural team? part uh, of the inaugural team? flag football squad, and she actually, they were playing both halves of the fields, but she picked off this flathead girl, took off running with it, and, I mean, she was long strides and fast, you know. She had my strides, but she had her mom's strength, you know. Her mom was kind of a track girl back in the day, and she was running. And I was like, we got to get this girl out for track if she ain't going to go softball this year. Now, were you fast? No, I wasn't really fast. You know, I kind of like to tell people, once I got going, you know, and the horse trailer had momentum, (laughs) it was great. But getting out of the gates wasn't necessarily my strength. But uh, I wasn't slow by any stretch, but I think my best... I think my best one ten high time was like sixteen one, maybe yeah. high fifteens. Now maybe fifteen nine. That's respectable. Huh? Yeah, it was respectable, but you know, I high jumped. You know, that was my deal. I was a pretty good jumper. I was blessed enough to win it my senior year. Um, after oh, you, know, you won weird, the class weird, A title, senior. It was B. Oh B. Oh it yeah, because they were. That was year funny. McNally went like six nine. Yeah. What did you go? Six six.
0: Oh, that's pretty high. No,
2: it was crazy because leading up to that you know i'd had some injuries with my feet uh just my left foot specifically and um my senior year you know i went as a sophomore then i broke it my going into my junior year mick durham was actually in the gym july 1st 1986 corvall's gym i remember feeling the snap in my pinky bone in my left foot mm. i got rainbow arches well they didn't have orthotics or anything yeah at that level unless you went to the doctor, which, you know, took me three breaks. I was in crutches seven months out of thirteen. No, okay. Uh, going no. my between my junior and senior year. But uh yeah, long story short, there was um, I went 6'2 my junior year and I felt pretty good then, but we had this huge just a deluge at Memorial Stadium in Great Falls and Bill Pilgrim was the only guy that was able to Jump six four. We'd all cleared six two, and he's the only guy that got to clear it before the rain. And we all come back out. Nobody else missed. So I took like fourth, with like everybody that didn't take first at six four, we went six two that year. Yeah, and then I my senior year, you know, broke it again. Um. Yeah, it was crazy. I uh, never got any higher than six foot. Uh, through divisionals and districts and one took second in districts took second in divisionals I think to Frank Hahn from Eureka nevertheless I just wasn't uh, I just couldn't get my pop going and I thought going to state I thought I'm not gonna start at 5-8 for God's sakes I just it's self-respect at this point in time yeah. it was my <clears throat> senior year I'm like I'm gonna start at 6-2 and Cause I hadn't cleared it and I was really, wasn't feeling good. And I was, I kind of had the flu or something, you know, I just was really, uh, I'd gotten sick the night before and I just was feeling really cruddy, but I think it kind of helped loosen me up because, uh, yeah, at that point I I cleared six, two by like four inches in the Corvallis, the little tiny Corvallis section on the other side was all cheering. They were down by the finish line and we were at the Metro, uh you know that metro park yeah. um track they don't year. use it anymore no they yeah. don't it was a great scene too but uh yeah I ended up going six four six six Scott McKenzie um he was from Chinook he'd gone six eight like twice that year and I always remember it was kinda I felt kind of good about it. It's a great story to tell because I knew he had a better chance of clearing that than I did and he had. And so when the Uh, official came up to us and he says okay gentlemen do you want to go from do you want to go up one inch or two and scott looks at me and i was like well let's go 2 you've already done it twice this year right i said shit let's go two. and he was like he'd missed several times and i'd cleared every one i hadn't missed yet yeah so i butcher my first one at six eight i almost get my second one and then yeah the third one wasn't the best one either, but the, the closest one I think I had was my second, but Scott missed his first two, and at the end of the day we both went six, six, but he would had like five misses, six misses, and I'd only had those three at six eight, so I won on account of misses yeah. and that was what 88? 88 88 yeah. yeah spring 88 so yeah, I wasn't fast, but I wasn't slow either, but I was a better jumper than yeah. anything. I was a Dr. J jumper. I like the one foot dunks. You <laughs> so know.
0: so you could dunk pretty easy then?
2: Well, yeah. I mean yeah. growing up, you know, again, you just playing the game, trying to dunk grapefruits, trying to drunk <laughs> dunk little balls,
0: tennis balls. I would give my left leg to be able to dunk like some of these guys. Like last year I was sitting at the scores table at a tech game and I think it's jock jockey for Western. That guy can fly. Just get up there. And I'm and, and Ludkey sits down and talking to me, and the guy dunks it. And I said, "Man, I'd love to be able to do that." And he says, "Yeah, it's pretty fun." Oh, hey,
2: Matt was a high flying yeah. fool. Yeah, he was. He could yeah. get up. Well, he wasn't windows. far from.
0: He really wasn't far from being an NBA caliber player.
2: No, he wasn't. Not at all. I mean, he had good feet. Again, he could just stroke it. He had a good knack for the game, you know. And again, being able to play for Kermit Young out there in that ABA. Yeah, uh, what a neat experience that had to have been, you know, and I'd gotten to know Kermit over the years just through some of the recruitment stuff yeah. and, you know, in that little window. So Matt, having played for him when I always, I didn't know that yeah. until after the fact, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't realize Kermit Young was a coach till i read an article somewhere. And that was just, again, it was just strange. It was awesome. I'm like, he's playing for this dude and he's yeah. coaching down in California. Yeah. So, true. yeah. You know you know he, there's always a lot of different factors there's so many players at this point in time, but you know you know Matt was you know, he was a flat out baller, you know
0: and now so I think really literally everybody does know you Kermit Young even knew who you were, and yeah, and uh I think every kid at Butte High knows you' because how <laughs> often do you sub
2: well,, I did a little more last year this year, it's just been a lot more things going on, you know, I got my own business, I got my you know Congan water thing, and mm. just staying on it as a dad, I really try and not put these kids in the latchkey situations even yeah. though they're in high school still like to cook for them still like to you know be available for them uh at school so you know i've been doing a lot of that and then just getting getting situated here i've got yeah. some good things uh building um but yeah i've subbed a few times and uh yeah russo called me uh uncle wets at one time in practice he's like this guy's <laughs> not like our coach he's like our uncle and you know, everybody else kind of vibed
0: it. And that's where that came from. Was yeah. They're so bad. Well, and again,
2: kids have called me uncle over the years, just buddies and yeah. stuff. But, uh, yeah, it just really took on with these guys. And, you know, I had that sophomore crew, and <laughs> we didn't win a game. But, God, what a good group of dudes, you know. We had they played little, yeah. hard for me, and I keep telling them. And they, they actually believed it. You know, if we'd had another six to eight games to play, we'd have picked off some of these schools, you know, just on account mm-hmm. of how better they got you know, and f- well, that's five of those kids—that's
0: that's a key at the lower level, right? Yeah, it's just you're better at right. the end of the year than you right. are. For right,
2: right. Being- you know, and that's the thing. These guys were funny. You know, we didn't win a game, but I had five of them in some way or other tell me that it was the best basketball season right. we ever had. You know, yeah. so it's cool. It's fun. Like I said, now being a varsity assistant for Matt. You know, I get to be his right-hand man, and I get to be able to just, you know, be available to all these teams. You know, Jordy Clary's, you know, coaching the sophomores now. I've sat on the bench with him. Yeah. Uh, once, or, you know, a couple, yeah, it was in Dillon for sure. But, um, yeah. He's a,
0: he's, a, he's he's kind of along the lines of you as well. He's kind of a no. Spicoli kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, you know, that...
2: and it's funny. Steady as a rock, you know. And he was athletic, had his career down at Western, hard-nosed dude. Um, yeah, he brings good energy to the kids. They love him. Sheldon's playing for him right he now. He was
0: always the leader of the dog pound and during basketball games I at Western. I bet he was. Yeah, this I the student section. Rowdy was. was rowdy. Paul Penisco sends me a text. I'm sitting down at the <laughs> scorer's table. Paul's doing the, up at the booth doing the radio, and he says, who's that guy leading the, the charge up there? They go, that's uh, Jordan Clary yeah. from Butte, America. Yeah,
2: God, no. What a stud. Great kid. <laughs> yeah, we got a real good staff. Jake Evans is an Anaconda kid. He's a JV coach. He coached freshmen last year. Um, he came over here from Laurel. Uh, where he was coaching and teaching uh, over there.
0: So oh, is that is that the guy who, with all due respect, doesn't look like a basketball player?
2: Yeah, no, he's funny, man. Yeah, uh, yeah he's a Jake is. Uh, and he was. Yeah. He played over there for him, and I don't remember what years. I think he's in his late twenties now. But I d- say, of
0: course, he looks shorter probably than than he is standing next to you and oh, yeah. You know, well, though. everybody does. Yeah. Though, really. Yeah. I, pr- <laughs> I probably look like a lo- member of the lollipop <laughs> guild when we're uh, when we were reffing together.
2: Yeah. No. But Jake, he knows the game. And he does a good job with these kids, and he's a good communicator. And, uh, yeah, we just got a real good staff. And then we got Chad Jonart's coaching our freshman. But he lost his dad here in early December. So he's taking a little time off, and uh, we're just excited to hopefully get him back here in the next uh, week or so. And um, and then, you know, the epic Sheridan all-star East Middle School shop teacher, John Magnus himself. (laughs) The one and only. God, he's a beautiful dude, that guy so yeah we've got a great staff and uh again good kids and i really believe we're turning a corner here in butte you know um we just got that we got that mojo coming you know and it's all just a signature of what matt's done to develop this program
0: that him starting that up top uh Travel program Powerful. was was incredibly awesome.
2: Well, you're just seeing it now.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's got 80 it, yeah, kids. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna to that's something that's gonna grade. pay dividend year after year. Absolutely. You're have reload. And
2: again, you know, he did what he did up in Shoto, building the program. He did up there. So again, he understands what it takes to be an architect and coming here and having things being a little disheveled and out of, you know, discombobulated. You know, yeah, he went to state three years in a row. With whatever yeah. he had, and you made the best of it, and you know, injuries and different things here and there. But uh yeah, he's and a we're competitor. dangerous team going in the state last Matt's year. Matt's just think, a competitor, and that's yeah. the great thing about him. I don't care if we're playing Monopoly or cribbage or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I do gotta say that Matt is the coolest card dealer I've ever experienced. Really, I mean, he deals like he's dealing at a pro dealership somewhere. Does he
0: beat Bernie in crib? yeah matt's uh well bernie is bernie's of an of old a, pro
2: he's an old jedi <laughs> he sure is but uh yeah matt Viz, boone we all those guys are always playing and i always feel lucky to be able to jump into a game here and there cool thing about that is bernie's grandson um little hunt hunter
0: yeah a hunt second man. grader playing on the fourth grade Dude, team yeah
2: and he can play cribbage better than a lot yeah. of adults yeah. You know, he's just a stellar, steely eyed little dude and he's just on you like an eagle and he's got his cards and no, I love it. He's up there. They we're they're, they're actually playing today since we got a practice at five thirty. We uh they usually go up there and play uh crib on Monday nights. Oh. Yeah. But with basketball here now and we're five thirty to seven thirty. Yeah, we usually do it about six, six thirty, yeah. you know. So they're doing it right now, they're up there playing and uh yeah, it's fun. Again Butte, KCAC, she Bernie. Speaking of Bernie, this guy, I roll into town and I track down John uh, Jeff Briney and John Briney uh grew up in East Helena, but these are Jim Briney's kids and Jim Briney's a, you know, Butte staple, you know. Yeah. To those guys in that generation and I uh, hadn't seen him in years and when John was playing with me up in Northern, John, uh, Jim used to bring Jeff and uh one of his buddies up on and off. And I learned, I remember this little dude too, since I've been here, that what, that buddy that would come up with Jeff and Jim was, uh, Luke Steitzer. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, so it, being able to connect on that and talk about that and being able to bartend now over at the country club with, uh, with Jeff, uh, is fun. It's good. Got to meet a lot of the old Jedis here around town, you know, Jim Anderson and Mike Anderson wow. and, Yeah, just it's it's loaded with dudes. Schulte goes down there a lot. You know, I get to see Salo. Tom Quinn, you know, golf season. It's just neat running into a lot of those guys and connecting to them. Old Dan Mulholland's related to uh, Brian Mulholland, who I played with at Helena. Really? You know, so, yeah, just a lot of small degrees of separation being here in Butte and, you know, connecting with a lot of people. It's pretty
0: cool. So you say
2: Montana's like a
0: big small town it's a big ass town but butte's like don't like the, spread out doesn't neighborhoods Bute seem like it's like should be it should be at least the epicenter of that uh.
2: you know at one point in time anybody worth their weight in salt no should know that it was yeah. you know i mean but uh yeah i think to the traditionalists to the purists to the authentic ones they realize everything started in Butte and even though Butte's maybe lost a lot of its luster around the state and Billings is all magical now and all this <laughs> stuff. no nah, Butte at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the one laughing and smiling the biggest because uh, it just has what a lot of places don't. And I guess you, I don't know how to qualify that above and beyond the authenticity and just the transparency you pretty much get what you get
0: you know yeah well we're laughing and smiling a lot more now that uncle wet's moved to town
2: god bless you for doing so i appreciate <laughs> it well i'd like to think that my comedic uh demeanor and uh way of life adds yeah. to that and i appreciate you guys picking up what i'm laying down like a chris bryant grounded in the world series that
0: you remember he had yeah. that big
2: shit eating grin on
0: his face yeah. Those are the kind of grounders I like to hit to people. Good. All right. Well, Wets, I appreciate you joining me today. Of course, this is one of what, twenty three you said? First of twenty three appearances uh, oh, on the podcast.
2: Oh no. So this could be a continual yeah. thing. Well, I'll <laughs> always be able to stop in and have yeah. have, a, have a drink, cong and water with you. Let's get you filled up before you get out of here. But no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um Yeah, first podcast I've ever been on. So I'm gonna be curious to see. Don't blackmail me with
0: this. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be all out there in the open. No editing or anything. God bless you, then I am in trouble. All right. Well thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You got
2: it, brother.